news for you, Grace Chapel. The same God that has been with us from the beginning that brought you in very soon will be kicking open these doors and bringing us out, allowing us to be a blessing to others. Let's remember, though, in order to do that, we have to abide in him, and we have to live by faith. Let's continue as we sing and worship together. Yeah. 
43 says to us that though we walk through the waters, you will be with us. Though we pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm us. Though we walk through fire, we will not be burned. The flame will not consume us. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So Lord, this day, this occurrence, in many ways, is a testimony to your ability. Lord God, your faithfulness and what you have done through your church. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Grace Chapel. It is so great to be here today. I'm joined on the platform with Pastors Robert, Pastor David, Pastor Dana, your campus pastors. We are so glad to be joining you here together for One Church Sunday. We're glad you're here. We started off this year with a, with a series called Come Together with this in mind that all together are 10 services across four campuses, We'll get together for a day of worship, and it's great to be together today. So for just a moment, let's see who's here from which campus. So if you're here this morning from East Lexington, give us a shout. Who's here from Watertown? Come on now, Wilmington. Who's here from Lexington? And who is here from Grace Chapel? Yeah. 
Well, before you take your seats, please say hi to a few people around you. Give them a big high five. Find out what campus they're from and let them know you are so glad they are here today. One Church Sunday. Well, it is so good to be with you and a great joy to be here for One Church Sunday. I heard somebody say this is going to be a wonderful day for sure, so couldn't resist, I know. Couldn't resist. But if you're new or visiting with us, we are especially glad that you're here today. We have some gift bags out in the lobby that we would love to be able to give to you. We'd love to meet you personally and help you get connected with the awesome things that God is doing in the life of our community. So welcome. We are so glad you're here. One of the things that we've been the most looking forward to this Sunday is actually having all of our students with us here this morning in the service. So if you are an elementary, a middle, or a high school student, give a quick shout. All right. We're glad you're here with us and worshiping this morning. If you are a parent of a younger child, though, we just want to make sure that you do know there is child care through age four. They've got a little extra room, more room than they thought, so you can um, talk to one of the ushers and make your way there. I see that a lot of you have already found the family-friendly seating that's up around the inner concourse. It's a great place if you've got younger children that are a little restless. There's a quick exit, and it's very accessible for them to get out and run around and get a little of that energy off this morning. Now, we have been uh, telling you for weeks that if you showed up at your campus this morning, you'd be the only person there. And we can tell you guys took that seriously. You're all here this morning. Uh, but we, we have a video from our security camera in Lexington. It sounds like somebody didn't quite get the memo. Of course, all of you know, all of you who know Richard Rhodes, our pastor of outreach and new campuses know he would not miss this for the world. And he's here, right here in the front. He's ready to do some, some baptisms. Speaking of Richard Rhodes, he's led a team from all four of our campuses. Just the last two weekends, we had spring serve where 918 of you, that's the number, 918, served at some 90 plus projects across 15 communities and blessed our city in incredible ways. Give those people a hand for showing up and blessing their cities. Well, we wanted to bring some of that giving spirit here to the city of Lowell. When we knew that this was going to be the place in the city where we were going to have this celebration, we reached out to the mayor's office and asked if we were going to do something that would help to help those who are helping the neediest among your city, what are some of the things we might do? And their office recommended two agencies that uh, we have been able to bless here this morning. The first agency is called It's All About the Kids, and this group offers emergency assistance and help to children of the working poor, especially around the holidays. The second is the House of Hope Incorporated. And the House of Hope is a temporary shelter 
that provides advocacy and care for homeless families in Lowell. So joining us this morning are some folks from those two organizations. Uh, from It's All About the Kids, we have Stacy Marsden and Holly McKennisby. They're right over here, if you'd stand up, you guys. And then from House of Hope, we have Jennifer Sharkey, Edna Gustafson, and Dale Makowski. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership and your service. And in addition to the um, two organizations that the city of Lowell um, suggested to us, we also have our very own folks from Place of Promise over here as well. Praise of Promise is a longtime Grace Chapel ministry partner. They serve right here in Lowell as they come alongside people that are really hurting from, from what life has thrown at them. They train them, they nurture them, they disciple them, they help them to experience a growing and healing relationship with God. So we have here with us today the uh, founder and director, Beth Kidd. And then we have the executive director, Leslie Moore. We have the president. We have the president of their board, Sandy Siciliano. We have Tammy Lynch, who is one of the clinicians who works with the residents and also an ELEX attendee. Put that one in there. And then we have Terry Lawrence, um, who uh, oversees the uh, Promise Treatment Homes. And then we're also blessed to have a number of the residents here with us this morning. And they're sitting up in that area as well. So we are just so incredibly thankful for your generosity. It was so wonderful to walk through the lobby, see those mounds of donations that were on the tables. And we thank you so much because those items are going to be used by these organizations as they make a difference in the city of Lowell. So we just thank you for responding. We thank you for being a part of this. And we thank you that you've been part of blessing the city of Lowell. And speaking of Lowell, we have an honored guest with us here this morning. And so to introduce him, I'm going to invite up Pastor Jeanette Yep, our pastor of global uh, and local and regional outreach here. So let's welcome up Jeanette, and uh, she'll tell us a little bit more who she's coming here with. Well, it's my honor and privilege to announce the mayor, introduce the mayor of the city of Lowell, Rodney Elliott. Mayor Elliott and his wife and two daughters live in Lowell's Pawtucketville neighborhood. In addition to serving as mayor, he's a longtime employee with the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Lowell, throughout its history, has been a gateway city to many waves of immigrants. Mayor Elliott recently traveled to Cambodia to visit the home country of many of Lowell's most recent residents. Since Lowell is his hood, we want to thank you for letting us visit your honor, and we want to welcome you this morning. Well, good morning, and welcome to my hood. Uh, but um, when I came this morning and I saw so many wonderful people, um, it's really an honor and a pleasure to be here, and I didn't know if I should just come and be kind of quiet. But when first pastor came up and was like, 
This is Warren Lowell. Welcome to Lowell. Let's hear it. Welcome to Lowell. We're not going to be quiet today, so thank you for coming today. And I can't believe this crowd. Uh, knowing that you came from four campuses, uh, it's, it's completely unexpected. I will make one commitment that will not happen again. We will make sure that you don't sit in traffic and that it's easy to get into the parking garage, so I'm sorry about that. On my way here, I sat in the traffic, so the police department were not really happy to see me this morning. <laughs> so always be on, on your best, but um, it's incredible. It really is, and we are pleased to host you here today, and congratulations to all of you. You know, Lowell and Grace Chapel, um, as we welcome you, uh, have so many similarities. I, I do know you're a non-denominational, multicultural church, and you welcome everyone, just like we do in Lowell. You are an upbeat and energetic organization. I am so inspired by the music. I am telling you, it's wonderful. I have another commitment that I will be going to. I am going to be late because I want to stay and enjoy your celebration. And especially with all of the stresses today, what we do need to know is that everyone needs a special place where we all can go and just be ourselves. And Grace Chapel is that place for so many people. We, I am going to spread that word. So, so I would like to thank you for coming to our beautiful historic city today. Uh, I do hope that you're able to enjoy it. But more importantly, let me thank you on behalf of the 106,000 people in the city of Lowell for the blessings that you have brought through your, dona your donations and your prayers to those people in our city that are in need. I can assure you, it will not go without notice. They, we are very grateful. That is what Lowell is all about. I do know you, they will be touched by your generosity, and, and we thank you for everything that you have done. Thank you, Pastor Jeanette. Thank you, Pastor Brian, and all the pastors that are um, here today. Uh, we are a grateful city. We do know the House of Hope. It's one of the largest uh, family shelters that have been serving families for, since 1986. It's all about the Kids Foundation, works with our children in the public schools, the low public schools, providing winter coats and boots, and of course, Place of Promise. Um, I do know that, I'm not as familiar with Place of Promise, uh, organized to heal and strengthen individuals in their spiritual and emotional and physical growth and well-being. So with that, again, um, thank you so much. Uh, our, our city is filled with organizations like these, and thanks to you, um, they will continue to be able to serve so many people. It's one of the characteristics in Lowell that makes us so very special, having so many organizations. Your generosity, again, will touch so many lives. On behalf of a grateful city, we thank you. Welcome to our city. I'm humbled to be here. I look forward to uh, listening and joining in and singing and participating in the celebration. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mayor Elliott. Now, we want to turn our attention to a video produced, filmed, and edited by students of all four of Grace Chapel's campuses using their iPhones and their GoPro cameras. So big people who are in the house, listen up. 
the next generation speaketh, and go, children and students. Way to represent. Sounds a new beginning as distant hearts begin. I am here at church today because I want to get to know God better, better and worship Him. So, what are you looking forward to in church today? Mm -hmm. Learn more stuff about Jesus. So, church today was the, the people, Grace Chapel. What would make church a little more like heaven? Um, um, a jump fence. And, and, and a hot tub. And unlimited food. And a hot tub. Okay. And an arcade. To see God. If all of my non-Christian friends could find Jesus and come here with me too. Um, I think there'd be like no judging.
So Grace Chapel is not only a church of many campuses, but it is also a church of many cultures. Let's stand together as we continue to worship and sing together. Yeah. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Lord, we look with hope and expectation for that day when once again we will all be together but with a greater company of witnesses to proclaim your worth, Lord, that you are holy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are very excited today to have with us Coach Brad Stevens of the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Coach Stevens is in his second year with the Celtics, taking them into the playoffs sooner than a lot of people expected. And uh, prior to his time here in Boston, uh, uh, coach Stevens was head coach of the previously unheralded Butler University in Indianapolis, and he took them twice to the Final Four and into the championship game as well. Now, uh, uh, Coach Stevens and his family have worshipped with us on occasion at Grace Chapel. He and I have kept in touch a little bit by email since he arrived here. And uh, truth be told, he'd probably rather be in a basketball arena than a hockey stadium right now. But... Since that was not in the cards, he agreed to come and share a little bit of his faith story and perspective with us. So, Coach Stevens, we're so glad you're here. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, your family and maybe how you're spending this postseason. Are you watching games or what are you doing these days? Without boring everybody, I'm, I'm the lucky uh, husband of Tracy and father of a nine and a six-year-old. We have a son named Brady and a daughter named Kinsley. Um, believe it or not, being from Indianapolis, um, Brady was the only Brady in that daycare. <laughs> and, and there were three Peytons in the same room. Um, and when we recognized that, we were like, oh, what have we done here? No, but, um, but it's worked out. It's been a great transition to be named Brady here. He's, must, have been, must have been destiny, I now guess. When, now when we yell Brady, he comes running, other kids come running, dogs come running, you know. <laughs> All right, uh, Coach, let's talk basketball for a moment. Um, you came to a team that was in need of rebuilding. A lot of high-profile players had moved on. So in a couple years, you've made some pretty good progress. Again, surprised folks by how well the team has done. Tell us a little bit about your strategy and what you've been focusing on these first couple of years. Well, it was an interesting time because as I was considering taking the job, right in the midst of that, they traded Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, two Hall of Famers, Jason Terry, who's a top five NBA three-point shooter of all time, who's still playing in the playoffs today for Houston. And so I knew that it was going to be um, a great challenge, but I thought that it was a great opportunity to join an organization and, and you know, a sports city with such a great tradition, such a great history, but also being somewhat on the ground floor in a lot of ways. And um, it's been fun because some of the most important things to me are just feeling like you're making progress every day and making sure that that remains your focus. You know, if we, if we ride the 82-game roller coaster of emotional highs and lows based solely on wins and losses, I don't know that that does a whole lot for you. Uh, I don't know that you'll be able to get through a whole season. So to me, it's about progress. It's about doing the next thing the right way. 
and uh, trying to be better today than you were yesterday. Okay. It sounds like that's a pretty good approach to just about anything in life, including the Christian faith, that idea of just growing, getting better day by day by day. Um, I know that faith and church are important to you and your family. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your faith story, uh, how you made your journey to faith and people and events that might have been part of that story? Well, I was really, you know, I, was, I grew up in a, in a family that, that attended church very regularly. Um, in, in, I was a Methodist in the Methodist church uh, in central Indiana, um, have been a member of a couple of those and, and lived there for 33 years um, of my life. And, and probably, as we talked on the phone the other day, probably the, the most impactful time for me from the standpoint of really diving into it and, and learning more about myself and, and really recognizing that the world's a lot bigger than you, Brad, is, uh, you know, when I was 16 and 18, I went on two separate mission trips in the summer, um, both to the southern part of the United States, um, did a lot of work, did a lot of, um, I guess it would be called hard labor, though we didn't do it very long, and, and we got a lot of breaks, so I don't know if it really counts as hard labor. Um, but it was, it was a great experience for me, and, and it was summed up well. One of my one of my great friends who obviously, after you hear this line, is a lot smarter than I am, um, said, you know, he, he kind of took away from it that he was able to now look at God not only as a source of comfort, but a source of inspiration. And I thought that that, that, that you know, I think anytime obviously you're, you're not feeling down, you're feeling down, you're, you're looking for that comfort, you're looking um, for that bigger picture, I think obviously that's a time where we all look for um, whatever our faith is, we all look for our God. And, and I think that, um, but that was a great moment for me. Oh, it's great to hear that. Mission trips are a big part of life and ministry at Grace Chapel. Hundreds of folks here, including lots of kids, have been out on trips. And I think they would say the same thing, pretty formative in their journey. Um, coach, you're the, you're the youngest coach in the NBA. You're doing your job and living your faith on a very big stage in one of the most intense sports markets in the nation, probably. That's a lot of pressure and scrutiny. How are you handling all that? What kind of gives you perspective on all of this? Well, I live a pretty simple life. Um, I know how to get to the church. Um, I know how to, whether we come to Grace or we go to the church where we live that we've been going to as well, I know how to get to both of those places. I know how to get to our practice facility. I know how to get to TD Garden, and I know how to get to Starbucks. All right, there you and go. <laughs> beyond that, you know, I really don't go a whole lot of places, so it's a pretty simple life. Um, but you know what? Again, it's if I think if you focused on all those things you can't control, um, then you know your your world just becomes it's hard to keep control. Right, right. And I think the biggest thing that we can do is focus on how we can do our jobs as well as we can each day. I think one of the things about whether it's you know for me it's faith and family, and because we work such a unique schedule, especially with all the travel in the winter. It's really important that, that that it's all one integrated life. And so to me, um, again, I, I just focus on trying to be the best that I can every day. And hopefully, you know, people that I'm around at least know I'm working hard and trying to help them become the best that they can be every day. We talk a lot about that integration of faith and work and life. It's all one piece. So thank you for modeling that for us and for the broader uh, Boston, New England community. Um, we really are glad you're here. I've been praying for you since you got here because, again, I know you've got a big responsibility and an opportunity. Uh, what are you excited about as you kind of think about next season? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm always excited first and foremost about just being a part of a team. Like, it's so fun, and, and I think we all can agree that, 
um, especially for big sports fans out there. there there's something that is, is just fun about watching a group come together from all different walks of life, from all that we've talked about, it, from all different um, backgrounds and belief. You know, I, I think to come together, to strive to accomplish something, to, to strive to move forward, you know, to strive to be a little bit better than you were yesterday, those are all things that just inspire us every day. So I don't, you know, I, I know the big picture when you join the Boston Celtics is to, to raise banners, and that's about all that matters. Um, but I also know that the way the best live and the way that's most enjoyable is just to, hey, we're trying to be better, you know, tomorrow. On, on May 17th or May 18th, hopefully we're a little bit better than we were on May 17th and just one day at a time move forward. That, that's a good way to go. Well, Coach, yeah, we, we truly are glad you're here. We're not only rooting for you, we're praying for you as you continue to lead this team and represent Christ uh, here. Uh, glad your family's with us today. Anytime you're welcome. We know you have to sneak out here today, but we sure appreciate you being here. Can we thank Coach Stevens for being here today? Thank you. Thank you. Well, in just a moment, we're going to take some time and express our love and gratitude to God by receiving our offering. Why don't you join me as we pray for a moment? In fact, why don't you stand with me as we pray, okay? Lord, we stand today as one people, one church, not because we are from the same background, not because we speak the same language, not because we've had the same life experiences, but because your son, Jesus Christ, has given us new and eternal and abundant life. You have brought us into your family, the church, and in particular, the Grace Chapel family. And we are so grateful for that. We're just amazed at the goodness of being here today, at the beauty we're enjoying, at the fullness, the, the sense of love and unity that we sense around us. So we're grateful, Lord. And we realize that there are many, many in our world who do not enjoy this kind of beauty and comfort and safety and love and freedom. And so we pray for them and pray for your people in particular all around the world today, wherever they might be worshiping in all kinds of places. May they be encouraged. And may they know that they have brothers and sisters in the faith, in Christ, who are thinking of them, praying for them, and sharing resources with them even today. Lord, we do pray for Coach Stevens and his family, just as we pray for everyone here today and the way they represent Christ all over greater Boston and New England and even around the world from day to day. May we truly grow and get better in you, in faith, in love, in life each day as we are about the work of the kingdom in the world today. Lord, we are praying for our church. We're thankful for this season that we're enjoying of bounty and growth and promise. But Lord, we are asking that in particular in these days, you would do even more greater things for your glory and for our great joy and for the world's good. And we believe that today is a part of that. And we're grateful for an opportunity we have to bring our gifts to you now, to express our love and gratitude and to share our goodness with the world around us. So Lord, together now as one people, as one community in faith, we pray together the prayer that you taught the disciples saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
You may be seated, and we'll bring our gifts to God.
One. Solo, only, unique. One. Uno. E. Один. Ein. Yon. Onna. Wahta. One. We long to be. One. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. One thing we ask of the Lord. And that we will seek. That we may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives. One. This one thing we do. Forgetting what lies behind, we press on towards the goal. For the prize of the call of God in Christ Jesus. One. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Spur one another on. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. One. Jesus prayed that all of them may be one. So the world may believe you sent me. One. Make no mistake, while we are... Many campuses. Many generations. Many ethnicities. Many, many. Many people. We remain one church. Going deeper. Getting closer. Reaching wider. One. In Christ, on mission, transforming lives. Following the God who's always on the move. One. Changing the spiritual landscape of greater Boston and beyond. One. Lexington. Wilmington. Watertown. East Lexington. One. From day one until now. Grace Chapel has been. Continues to be and will be. One. But we pray not only for our church, but the church. Christ's body given for the life of the world. To be. One. So we gather all together. As one. With one another. For one another. Because of one. The only one. Our great God. Three in one. So Grace Chapel, may we never stop. Seeking, praying, working, giving, fighting, living. Dying for one. Just imagine. The church, our church, as. One church. One church. One church. One church. One church. All right. Well, I gotta confess, I stepped in here last night when folks were getting ready, came down those back stairs with Karen, and the first thing I said was, that's a lot of empty seats. How are we, I grabbed Richard down front and I said, whose idea was this? And here you are, you never cease to stop encouraging me and blessing me, way to go. I was poking around in my files this past week and discovered that it was five years ago this very week that we launched the New Day of Grace vision. Remember that? In this month of May, just about this week, many of us made spiritual and financial commitments to the future of Grace Chapel. Now at the time, we didn't even know exactly what that meant, but we sensed that God was calling us to go deeper, get closer, and reach wider. And we believed it had something to do with opening a new campus somewhere in the Reading area. It was a bold, risky idea. It was a step of faith for each of us and for all of us. Five years later, look what God has done. Four vibrant campuses, renovations to our Lexington campus, Hundreds of new volunteers and leaders, over 600 folks who have taken the plug-in discipleship course, many folks who've stepped up to new levels of generosity, a growing network of vibrant greater Boston churches, stronger partnerships in the region and around the world, 
Last Easter, this past Easter, we had our largest single Sunday attendance ever in the history of Grace Chapel, a fresh vision for reaching the next generation, and now One Church Sunday. Can we thank God for all that he has done? So it is worth throwing a party for, it's worth being together, but I want us to understand, today is not just about the past five years. It's about the next five years and what God has in store. As grateful as we are for all that God has done, we are praying and asking for even more. More life, more of love for one another, and more of His Spirit's power as we carry out His work in this world. So before we go charging into the next five years, we are taking this month of May to pause and to wait on God and to ask Him to do something fresh and deep and powerful, whatever He wants in our midst, to prepare us for whatever He has in store in the years to come. And there's no better way to do that than to come together as one church in one service for one Sunday. So thank you for being here. I am truly excited about what I believe God has to say and do in our hearts today and in the days to come. So let's get started. In the year 1904, on the British Isle of Wales, a pastor named Joseph Jenkins was seeking a fresh move of God for his congregation. He was especially concerned for the young people of his congregation as he sensed they were beginning to drift from their faith. So after a season of prayer, he began a preaching series on the deeper spiritual life. One Sunday, he invited people in the congregation to stand up where they were and give testimony to their faith. For quite a few moments, it was quiet, until suddenly a, a soft-spoken young woman stood up named Florrie Evans, rose to her feet and simply said, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. Now, it was a simple confession of faith, but it was like a lightning strike to that congregation. People began rising all over the room, one by one, not only professing their faith in Christ, but their wholehearted surrender to Him. It went on for hours. And pretty soon, what was happening in that church began happening in other churches and other towns all across the island of Wales. Churches were packed out. Open-air meetings were held. Services went on for hours and hours. Pastors couldn't even preach their messages because people wanted to sing and pray and share their own testimony. Pubs and taverns were closed because nobody was there. They were all at church. Football games were postponed or canceled so that people could attend services. The crime rate dropped so dramatically that the police had nothing to do but crowd control outside the churches every night and on Sundays. Fathers who had been squandering their money on gambling and booze turned their attention back towards their families, their wives and children. Down in the coal mines, hard-bitten coal miners sang hymns and held prayer meetings on their lunch break. As the story goes, the mules who worked in the mines were so used to being kicked and cursed at, they didn't know what to do when the miners began speaking kindly and gently to them. Before long, that movement spread all across Wales and to Ireland and Scotland and England and across the Atlantic even to America. Hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ. It's one of the most famous revivals in religious history. Now, what would it take 
to see a move of God like that in our, in our lives, in our church, in our city. That's the question we're asking ourselves these days in this month of May. What are the conditions that allow God to do something more? How do we set our sails to catch the wind of God's Spirit? We began by learning that the first requirement is a spirit of expectancy expressed through prayer and attentiveness. Last week, Pastor Ruthie spoke to us about yieldedness, about being ready and willing to answer God's call on our lives. Well, this morning we're going to learn that the Spirit falls wherever there is an unashamed commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. An unashamed commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Welsh revival was set in motion when a teenage girl stood up and said, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. So before we go any further, let me pause and ask if that's true of Grace Chapel. Are we unashamed in our commitment to Jesus Christ? I hope so. As easy as it is to be unashamed here in a stadium full of three or 4,000 Christ followers, in our workplaces, in the schools, in our neighborhoods, among our extended families, are we unashamed? Are you unashamed? Am I unashamed? Now, to be ashamed about something is to be embarrassed or apologetic, guilty or, or, or inadequate. We might be ashamed of getting a poor grade on a test or uh, ashamed of losing our temper. Back when our daughter was in middle school, we got our first second car. It was a busted-up, rusted-out, tank-green 1972 Chevy Nova that sputtered and choked and roared as it made its way down the street. Now, we were living in a land of Beamers and Jaguars. And Kelly was so embarrassed to be seen in that car, she made us drop her off 50 yards away from the school entrance so nobody would see her getting out of it. That's what it means to be ashamed, embarrassed, apologetic, inadequate. To be unashamed is the opposite of that. It's to be bold. It's to be confident. It's to be outspoken, proud. Patriot fans are unashamed to identify with their quarterback, Tom Brady, in spite of accusations and sanctions that have been leveled against him. They're prepared to stand with him and for him, even if the rest of the country does not. And I promise that's the last I'll say about that this morning, okay? So are you unashamed to be identified with Christ? Are you happy for people to know you're a Christ follower? Do you speak freely and easily the name of Jesus? How we answer that question may well determine how ready we are for God to do something more in our midst. Because the Spirit falls where there's an unashamed commitment to Christ. So let's turn again to the book of Acts we've been spending some time in this month and see what we can learn from those pivotal days following the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 this morning, one of the most intriguing and important passages of the New Testament. 
Now, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I know we've got a lot of kiddos in the house, so we're going to kind of keep things moving here. I'm going to take a page from Pastor Ruthie's playbook last week where she gave the kids a word to listen for. So kids, if it helps you listen, I'm going to give you a word to listen for. See how many times in, this next me- in the moments to follow I say the name Jesus. Okay? See me afterwards and let me know. Let's begin in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Remember now, the risen Christ has appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, proving that he's alive. After ascending to heaven, before ascending to heaven, he told them to return to Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they've been doing. For 10 days, they have been gathered in an upper room somewhere, praying and waiting. There were about 120 of them, we're told. Men and women, young and old, people who've been with them from the beginning, and newcomers. But it was a lot like us here today, all together in one place, waiting on God for something more. And suddenly, on the tenth day of prayer, something happened. The sound of a mighty wind blew through that room. Tongues of fire began to dance above people's heads. Now imagine something like that happening here today. We could probably pull it off with the technology we've got here, subwoofers and light cannons. But this was not a sound and light show. This was nothing less than the power and presence of God's Holy Spirit. And then these ordinary men and women began speaking in languages they did not know, telling the wonders of God. Pick it up at verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. God-fearing Jews, those were spiritual seekers, people who were curious about God, about faith, maybe even about Jesus, but, but not yet convinced. And maybe that describes you. Maybe you're here today because you're curious about faith, about God, about Jesus, but not yet convinced. Maybe you came here today to learn a little bit more. Or you came today because someone invited you. Or you came today because you thought a hockey game was going to happen. I don't know. But you're here. The passage continues. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in their own language. We don't have time to explain all of this, but don't miss what's happening. This is a reversal of the Tower of Babel. Remember that? When the people tried to make a name for themselves, and they were scattered, and their languages were confused? Well, now God comes down, and he brings the nations together so they hear one message in their own language. And look how people respond. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. The people couldn't explain what was happening. Some of them wondered if it it was a work of God. Others of them laughed it off and didn't take it seriously. But something real and powerful was happening. Because we're going to find out by the end of this day, 3,000 of those seekers 
are going to decide to follow Christ and prove it by being baptized. Let's pause here for just a moment. We don't have time to explain everything that's happening here. And we should understand that some of what's happening here in this passage, Acts 2, is unique to that moment in history. But the simple truth is that when you and I, when we say to one another, we want more, this is what we're talking about, I think. We want more of God's Spirit at work in our hearts. We want more of His powerful presence unleashed in our lives and in our church. We want more people to see and hear what God is doing and say, what does this mean? Or as we might put it, what's up with that? I don't know about you, but I've had fun the past couple of weeks telling people about our One Church Sunday. As I've described it to them, how we're going to take over the Sangus Arena and we're going to bring together our four campuses, they get this puzzled look on their face as if to say, what kind of church is this? And how many people go anyway? What's up with that? Now, I'm glad they asked that question, but I want them to ask more than what's up with all those people. I want them to ask, what's up with all those people from so many cultures and languages coming together to worship one God? What's up with 900 people giving up a Saturday to go serve their community? What's up with kids and students actually asking their parents to take them to church? What's up with all that joy and love and beauty and power? As grateful as we are for all that God has done, as exciting as it is to see this room full and to have everybody around us like this, the truth is we want to see even more people come to know Christ and become part of His church. Imagine being back here at the Songless Arena in 2020 and the whole place is filled every seat. That's what we're looking for when we ask God for more. I don't know about you, but I want to see something so remarkable that God is the only explanation for what happened. And that's what Peter tells the crowd that day. Let's pick it up at verse 14. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, Peter's making a little joke here. It's not even happy hour. Okay. No, he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God is as eager to give more as we are to receive more. He's simply asking for the conditions and the time to be right. And one of the things he's waiting for is an unashamed commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter's about to offer, verse 22. People of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Now, remember something. 
50 days ago, 50 days earlier, the disciples were so afraid and ashamed, they went into hiding. 50 days earlier, Peter was so ashamed of Jesus, he wouldn't even identify himself with him in front of a servant girl. Three times he denied the Lord. And the truth is, they had reasons for being afraid and ashamed. Their leader, Jesus, had been publicly condemned. The religious authorities had branded him a fraud. The political authorities had branded him a criminal. They had watched him die a humiliating and excruciating death. And they knew that anyone who identified with Jesus was likely to face the same fate. But now, Peter stands up in front of this great crowd of people and publicly declares his faith in Christ. And he begins by reminding the crowd that, that Jesus lived a beautiful life. Signs and wonders. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He blessed the children. He set people free. He, he raised them to new life. Peter wasn't apologetic about Jesus. And we don't need to be either. Now, we have our own reasons sometimes for feeling embarrassed or apologetic about our faith. We, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to sound uh, intolerant or judgmental or fanatical. This is New England after all. And I understand that. In fact, I confess that there are times I struggle to speak openly and freely about my faith. But Peter reminds us we have nothing to be apologetic or embarrassed about. Jesus lived the most beautiful life that has ever been lived on this planet. And he invites us, his people, to live that kind of life as well. Not only that, Peter says, Jesus died for the sins of the world. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Jesus' death was not an accident or a tragedy. It was God's plan from the beginning that Jesus would pay the penalty for our sins by his death on the cross. Peter wasn't ashamed of Jesus' death, and we don't need to be either. He died in our place. He died with grace and courage, a supreme act of love, so that we could be forgiven. Peter goes on, death couldn't keep him down. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus conquered death, our greatest enemy. There's not a person here today who has not lost someone they love to death. There's not a person here today who will not someday face their own death. Jesus is the only human being who has ever demonstrated power over death. Peter was not embarrassed about the resurrection of Jesus. He believed it. He experienced it. And many of us, has, us have as well. Not only that, Peter says, this Jesus lives today in the hearts of his people. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Peter is not afraid anymore. He's not ashamed. He's not embarrassed. He's not intimidated. 
He's bold and confident because he's been empowered by God's Spirit, and we can be too. And finally, lest there be any doubt in anyone's mind how he feels, Peter concludes with this unashamed, unabashed, unapologetic confession of faith in Jesus. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Friends, that's what it means to be unashamed. Some of us may be familiar with a popular rap artist named Lecrae. He's a kind of crossover artist whose music is popular in the, in the mainstream media, but also in the Christian community. I was poking around on the internet about this subject, Unashamed, and I came across a video clip of Lecrae at one of his comments speaking about his faith. Give a listen to one minute of Lecrae's public testimony. If you're unashamed of the Lord Jesus and his testimony and the gospel, being unashamed doesn't just mean you're unashamed to rep a t-shirt. It doesn't mean you scream all the lyrics to Trip Lee's song. It doesn't mean you don't care, you'll share the gospel with anybody, anywhere, anyhow. That's not what it's all about. Being unashamed means you're unashamed of every aspect of the Christian faith. You're unashamed to live as Jesus did. You're unashamed to live out everything the gospel changes in your life. That means you're unashamed to be selfless to be sacrificial, to be a servant. That means you're unashamed to remain pure in your relationships with the opposite sex. Because the gospel has changed you, you're unashamed to live that out. That's what it means, and you are the movement. People see you, and they see what an unashamed life looks like. Now, Lecrae is a two-time Grammy Award-winning artist who is unashamed of his faith in Christ. He says it is about not being ashamed of any aspect of the Christian life, to speak and live in Jesus' name. In fact, the name of his group is 116, taken from Romans 116, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, does that word describe us, Grace Chapel? Does it describe you? Does it describe me? A few months ago, I told you the story of a revival that swept through our church youth group back when I was in high school. We experienced the, the power of God, and it changed us. Now, I was in high school at the time, and it was the style back then to, to wear an army shirt, an army fatigue shirt, and, and put some kind of artwork or message on the back. Maybe your favorite rock group or a peace sign or the black power fist or something like that. Well, you know what I put on the back of my shirt? A great big Jesus fish in red letters so nobody could miss it. And inside the fish, I wrote five Greek letters. Sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah. You're probably wondering how a nerdy kid could become such, become such a cool pastor, right? <laughs> I wore that shirt everywhere, to school, to the mall. And when people stopped me and said, what do those letters stand for? I turned around and told them boldly, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. I was unashamed. 
And that's why revivals begin so often among young people. Because there's a boldness, there's a passion, there's a commitment that inspires all of us. Church, Grace Chapel, what would happen if you and I and we were that unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? If we, to speak that boldly, to live that freely. Now, I'm not saying we should all wear Jesus shirts and toss Greek words around with our friends. But I am saying we have no reason to be apologetic or embarrassed or intimidated by our faith in Jesus Christ. He lived the most beautiful life that's ever been lived. He died in our places so that we can be forgiven and free. He rose again to conquer our greatest enemy and offer us eternal life. He lives today to help us become the people we were meant to be and carry out his work in this world. So as we look to the future, as we invite the Holy Spirit to do something more, let's declare today that we are going to be unashamed in our commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to live it and preach it without intimidation, without compromise, without embarrassment, and without apology. Because it is the best news the world has ever heard, and it alone has the power to save and transform people and homes and communities and our city and our world. Amen. Imagine whatever thousand, three, four thousand people are here today. Imagine four thousand people scattering across greater Boston this week unashamed. The potential is incredible. Well, by the time Peter was done making his profession, the Holy Spirit had fallen on that crowd with such power that they too wanted more of what Peter was talking about. So let's get to the end of the story. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter invites them then and there to make a public profession of their faith in Christ. He invites them to be baptized with water, just as Jesus was, just as Jesus had commanded them. And the Spirit was so present and powerful in that room because of Peter's unashamed profession of faith that thousands of people came forward to be baptized that day. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Imagine this many people coming forward to be baptized in one day. Grace Chapel. If we are going to see God move powerfully in our lives and our church and our city, we are going to offer to God and to our community this unashamed commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to give people a chance to do that right now here today, to be baptized in a public profession of their faith in Christ. We have about 20 folks who are ready right now to be baptized. They have taken the class, they've made their commitment to Christ, and they came here today ready to be baptized, and in just a few minutes we're going to invite them to come down and we're going to enjoy this moment with them. But we're also going to do something we have never done before at Grace Chapel, as far as I know. We're going to have a spontaneous baptism. Now, Grace Chapel is not famous for being spontaneous. 
So we're a little bit out of our box here, but we felt as though if ever there was a time to give God a chance to do something, this was the time. So we'd like to invite anyone today who feels ready to be baptized to come on down front in just a moment and be baptized. Even if you haven't taken the class, we can take care of that afterwards. Maybe you've been a Christ follower for a while now, maybe for a long time, but for one reason or another, you've just never gotten around to being baptized. Today, you're going to just get it done. Or maybe, maybe you were baptized as an infant, and that's always been very meaningful to you and continues to be. But you're sensing today you'd like to be baptized as a believer in water. We're going to give you a chance to come down front and do that in just a moment. Maybe, maybe you've been seeking Christ for a while now, investigating the Christian faith, and you hadn't yet made a decision, but today you're ready to make your decision and follow Christ. There's no better way to do that than to come down and be baptized. Now, I know, I know, you didn't bring your bathing suit. You didn't bring your towel. You're not ready for this whole thing. Do not worry about it. We got towels, we got locker rooms, we got all kinds of clothes for you to change into before and after. Don't worry about it. If I can wear a Jesus shirt to the mall, you can walk home in a sweatsuit, okay? We will take care of it. Don't let it stop you. Uh, just a couple of things. We'd like you to be at least 13 years old or older to come be baptized today. If you're 12 or under, we'd rather have you talk about that with your folks first, and you'll have other chances to be baptized down the road. So 13 or older. And if you've already been baptized as a believer in water, then you don't need to be baptized again, as pumped up as you may feel right now. Just, just enjoy the moment and celebrate it with everybody else. So I'm going to pray here in just a moment. The band's going to come up and we'll do some singing. As soon as that music starts, you just come on down front here. There's folks who are going to meet you. They'll explain what's happening. You'll have time to get yourself ready. And uh, then we'll have a little time of baptism together. So let's bow our heads and pray for just a moment. Lord, we are so excited and grateful to be here together today. A kind of a day that many of us could not actually have imagined happening, and yet here we are. We are grateful for all that you've done in our lives and our church. We are deeply grateful. But we are humbly asking you for more. More of the life you promised us in Christ. More love for one another and for those who are far from you. More of your Spirit's power as we carry out your work in this world. And so, Lord, we invite you today to bring each of us to an unashamed commitment to Christ. We pray for those who are sensing the, the readiness to do that by baptism. We pray you would give them the freedom and the courage and the enthusiasm to come on down front and be baptized today. May we celebrate this great moment in their lives and in the life of our church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to stand and sing, and as soon as the music starts, if you're ready, come on down front. Thank you, John. Unashamed. Thank you.
Well, for thousands of years, baptism with water has been the identifying mark of a Christ follower. The baptism you're about to experience today is the very same experience of those believers 2,000 years ago. There's something very cool about that. Now, baptism, there's nothing magical about baptism. Baptism can't save you or change you. But it represents the truth that can save you and change you. Your sins being washed away through Christ's blood, and you're rising again in Christ to a new way of life. When you are baptized, you're identifying with the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's what you folks are going to be doing here today in just a moment. So you've already taken the class. You know what this is all about. I'm going to ask you three questions. You can respond by saying yes, and then we will get started, okay? Friends, are you trusting Christ alone to forgive you of your sins and grant you eternal life? And do you believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again to provide that forgiveness? And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Amen. And I bless you and invite you to be baptized. These folks are going to hold up their name on one side so you know who they are. They're going to turn it around and have a one-word testimony. Uh, as we do the baptisms, the band is going to play. You can sing along. You can clap and cheer. You can talk. Whatever you Let's just enjoy these moments. We figure it's going to take 10 minutes or so. I know we got a little late start today, but hopefully you can hang out. About 10 minutes or so, we'll do our baptisms, and then we're going to close with one great final song. You're going to want to be here for it. We'll put their pictures up on the screen so you can see everybody. If you're still thinking about it, there's still time. Come on down. There's room to be baptized. So you folks can take a seat and let the baptisms begin. streams of grace flow deep and wide where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood comes flowing down at the cross at the cross 
jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. It's amazing. Standing beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions, eclipsed by glory. Just how beautiful you are.
the splendor of the king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice let all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice trembles at his voice and how great
Well, not a bad day at church. You know, there's a saying, be careful what you ask for. Amen. We asked for more. We, we were prepared for about 50 spontaneous baptisms. We're way over 100. We're out of towels. We're out of everything. So. I'm going to invite Pastor Ruthie to come and just pray for these folks and for our congregation. Then we're going to sing one more song together. Thanks for being here. What a remarkable day in the life of this remarkable church. Come on over. Friends, let's pray together. Our gracious God, we give you thanks for this day, this Lord's Day, on which we celebrate your resurrection. We celebrate your ascension. We celebrate the gift of your Holy Spirit being poured out. Your scripture tells us that there is much rejoicing in heaven when simply one soul turns. And God, we have seen so many today who have chosen to be unashamed, unashamed of the gospel and unashamed of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And we pray, Holy Spirit, for your blessing to be upon each one who entered these waters today. That you would protect them. Protect them from doubt or from from questioning that this was real. Lord, I pray that you would continue to reinforce in their heart and their soul that this is real, that you are real, and that they can tomorrow wake up unashamed of what you have done in their lives. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Friends, in our last song, we are going to be led by four of our next-gen students who are coming forward to lead us in, in Christ alone.
Well, maybe we better not wait five years to do this again, huh? I don't know. <laughs> what a great day. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for hanging in and supporting all these folks. Uh, bless them on the way out if you get a chance. But it's just been a great day. Thank you for being here and can't wait to see what God has in store. And now to him who's able to do immeasurably, more. immeasurably, more. immeasurably, then all we could ask or imagine, according to his power and work within us, to him be glory in our lives and in this church and in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Lord bless you.